All right, everybody's good. Will had a great announcements. They did, they did good on worship. Dean did good on announcements. And y'all did good just being yourself, right? Amen? That's the most important thing, I think. Um, so, thank you for all the prayers for our family. The last couple of weeks have been a little, little bit rough, but God's good. Amen? God is good. Yeah, and we have rewards in heaven waiting on us when we get there. Um, so this morning I'm going to talk to you about what they were talking about during the ministry time. Uh, about God preparing people um, for His purposes and His dreams for our lives. So this is a thing that God's been speaking to me about for a while. And, and it's, I'm going to do it out of John chapter 20. It also goes into John 21, and maybe I'll do that another, day, another Sunday. But what you find in John chapter 20 and John t- chapter 21 is like the middle, the middle ground. Uh, God makes a promise. He made a promise in John 16 about the Holy Spirit coming. And then um, everything fell apart, it looked like. And John 20 and 21... Is sort of the transition from the promise to the fulfillment of the promise. And it really gives us some insights on how God prepares people to be able to receive what He has for them. Okay? In other words, there's, if you look in the Scripture all through the Bible, and every person that we know information about their lives is you see this pattern that's repeated over and over and over in the Bible, every one of them. Uh, The ones who didn't have this pattern did not make it. Saul was a person who didn't have this pattern, King Saul in the Old Testament, and he, he didn't make it. The last thing we hear from Saul is he's consulting a witch to get some information. And then the next thing we know... He's dead. He's killed. Him and his son was killed. So, you know, if you look at David, in contrast, God made a promise over his life. And then there was a process, a preparation before David became and fulfilled the promises that God had in, in his life. See that in Abraham's life, Jacob's, Moses, Joseph, everybody. And so, I think most people in this room would probably... De- say that you have promises in your life that God has not fulfilled. Does anybody not have that would be the good thing to say. It's really important that we walk through these times of preparation. The way we walk through them are important to the Lord. And really, and the reason they're important to the Lord because they're important for you. I, I believe this. I believe we can hasten the preparation but I also believe we can prolong it. I see a lot of people who prolong it. I see a lot of people who prolong it. If we were wise people, we would cooperate with the Lord. Many people's promises, the fulfillment of their promises are delayed. But not because God delayed them, because we delayed them. Y'all, are y'all following me? This is just so beautiful, isn't it? Years ago, I heard Graham Cook, if you don't know who he is, he really great prophetic voice in America, from England, but he lives in America now. Uh, he said something. He said, it's one thing to get your breakthrough. 
it's a whole other other thing to live your breakthrough. It's one thing to receive a breakthrough. But it's another thing to be able to live that breakthrough and see your life be fruitful the way God designed it. Uh, Psalm 20, verse 21, or Proverbs 20, verse 21 says, An inheritance gained hastily at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. It will not be blessed at the end. In other words, if you get it too fast, you, as a human being, will not be prepared, you will not be equipped to carry that inheritance and see it to its fulfillment. That's, that's the Bible. I hate to tell you this. Y'all are looking sort of gloomy at me like this. But I can't do anything about this. I didn't make this. I didn't make these rules. You know what I'm saying? This God made this up. So if you got issues with it. But the glorious thing that I've discovered. Is God visits people. In their process. He visits people. He doesn't just throw you into the process. To prepare you. And leave you there. And come back six months later to check on you. Oh, you're messing this thing up. I'll see you in six more. We'll see. You know. No, God visits people. And that's what I discovered in John 20. Is God visiting people when they were in the middle of... They were sort of in the transition moment between what God had promised over their life. And there's just so much wisdom in this. Are y'all following this? So I'm going to read this one. It's in John, it starts in verse 15 of John 20. This is Mary Magdalene, which if you don't, are you not familiar with this beautiful woman? She was a seriously bad person. She was, had a bunch of demons in her. She was a, she was a, uh, you know, a prostitute and probably a drug addict and probably a thief and probably everything else you could think of that you would not want your daughter to be. But she was, and then she met Jesus and the Bible says, I think he got seven demons out of her or something like that. And she became a devoted follower of Christ and loved him with a, a love that was just absolutely off the charts. And so Jesus was crucified and she went to the tomb and had an encounter with these angels. I, don't, I didn't write that down, but I'm amazed at this encounter she had with these angels. I mean, it boggles my mind. She has these encounters with the angels and it didn't even phase her. In other words, angels were not on her radar. She didn't give a rip about angels because she had her focus on something else. They were talking to her. If an angel came and talked to you and you knew it was an angel, you'd probably be shattering and, you know, shaking and rattling and, you know, writhing on the floor and, right? <laughs> if you've ever seen an angel... The angel ever manifests itself to you, I promise you, your, here's what will happen. Your heart will go up into your throat, and your heart will beat 900 miles per minute. You're going to think you're going to die at that moment. I'm telling you, it's scary. But it didn't make her scared. And they talked to her a little bit and didn't seem to be able to get through to her. And Jesus was there. This is where I want to pick up at. Jesus said to her, and they asked her the same question, what are you crying about? Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener. That's a pretty good little key right there, gardener. Said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. That was the body of Jesus. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned to him and said, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. 
Jesus said to her, Don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascended to my Father and your Father. That's one of the greatest revelations right there in the Bible. I am ascending to my Father and your Father. Your Father. Jesus was declaring something of profound importance. You know, we talk about the last words of a person who's dying. How about the first words of a person who died a violent death and came back alive? That's pretty, pretty powerful. To my God and your God. I just love that. I remember the first time I ever heard that, the first year, first Easter Sunday that I was a believer, I heard that verse, and it went into my heart like an arrow from heaven. It took it a little while for it to produce some fruit, but it had its way. Amen. I pray if you've never heard that today, that you would hear that. And I pray God would fertilize that, that revelation and make it grow in you. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. So this is what Mary Magdalene represents. She represents people who have lost something spiritually. Anybody been there? The way she connected with the Lord in the past, she had lost it. She was broken. And the, the ideal thing for her, the thing that she was really going after in her life was that connection with the Lord. She wanted what she had with the Lord. She wanted what she had with the Lord. And the Lord was, was here to tell her, and I think there's people in this room that feel this way. They feel like you've lost something spiritually with the Lord. And I believe the Lord wants to tell you this morning what Jesus said to her. Stop clinging to me like that. In other words, you can't know me now the way you knew me in the past. Now, this is really important that you get this. See, a lot of Christians have had amazing... This woman had an amazing, an amazing relationship, amazing encounters with the Lord. Okay? Amazing. How many people have had some amazing encounters with the Lord? A time of blessing, a time in your life that was so fruitful and awesome and the presence of the Lord was so alive to you and then it's gone for some reason, for whatever reason. And if that's you, and that's what the Lord wants to say to you this morning, is you can't cling to what you had with Him because now He's coming in a new way and he wants to reveal himself to you in a new way. He wants to reveal things about himself because God's not one or two dimensional like we tend to think he is. And God really wants to declare over people's life that it's a new time and he wants to reveal himself in a new way. And he, and he really is saying that to people. Don't cling to me the way you knew me in the past because I got something else about me I want to show. There's another side of me. There's another personality. There's another, another, another revelations of me that I want you to see about me. Anybody following this? Anybody feel this? And well, I'm here to tell you, if you're one of those people, God wants to visit you. He's not just going to leave you sitting in that state. He wants to come to you. Another amazing thing was he spoke her name. That's when she recognized it. And that's one of the things I believe people are going to hear is he's going to open people's minds up to hear him and hear his voice, and he's going to speak their name. And when God speaks your name to you, he's speaking identity to you. And some people have identity from the past. You had a past identity, but that may not be who you are today. 
You may be a different person today. In fact, if you're not different today, I mean, I want to take this microphone and hit you. Because you had a chance to be somebody different. You had a chance not to be stuck in that old way. You, you know, have you ever known somebody and they were, not a good, they were not a very good person, maybe not a good Christian person, and, and you, didn't, you didn't see them for a long time, and then you heard about them. You heard old so-and-so, well, he's a prophet in that church. And you thought, a prophet? He's no prophet. That guy's a bum. I mean, he was a half-Christian. And then you run into him, you see him, that he's a different person. And see, God wants to give you, He wants to speak your identity for who you are today. It's sort of like in the mall, you know, the old thing in the mall with the red dot, this is where you are. Well, really, you'll never find out how to get where you're supposed to go, not only not knowing where you are, but who you are. And see, that was the most important thing that Jesus wanted Mary to know right now. I want, to know, I want you to know who you are. I'm not just, just going to reveal myself in a new way to you. I'm going to reveal who you are right now. And see, I believe there's a revelation of identity coming that we haven't had yet. Okay? It's like the, the identity for today, not the identity for last year, not the identity for six months ago, not at your greatest time identity, but your identity for who you are now. Does anybody need a new identity? Well, the Lord is the only one that can give identity. Okay? Let's go ahead and settle that. In fact, don't let anybody else give you identity. If the world's been giving you a dent, you need to cast that off in you today. Don't even walk out the room before you, you say to that old identity that you had, like, I don't want you no more. Get your mask off. Okay? Get that mask off on you this morning. Okay? And get real. Get real with God. Don't be the person you, you were when you were growing up. Be who God's called you to be now. Okay? And you'll be able to live the life that God's called you. This is what I've told people a lot. If you have a mask on, all the affirmation, all the things you want, guess who's getting it? The mask. It's not getting to you. It's getting to your mask. It's getting to your false identity. And your heart is starving. And a little bit may leak in there and satisfy you for 30 minutes. And then you're thirsty again and you wonder why. It's because somebody else is stealing your identity. It's your false identity. And so I really encourage you today, really, God is doing a new thing in the earth. He's doing new things. He wants to move in new ways. He's made promises to people. He's going to fulfill those promises. But in the meantime, He wants to come and visit you. And He wants to talk to, talk to you about who you are. Okay? And He wants to tell you, you need to let go. Let go. I don't care if it was the greatest move of God ever. If it's over, if it was yesterday, it's over. You need to let go of it. Quit clinging to it. The worst thing in the world, let me just say this, is people who've experienced God move mightily and they're still trying to hold on to it when God's moved on. You know, It's like Jonathan Edwards said about the great awakening. This is what he said when it was over with. There's way too many people beat, still beating that dead horse and there's way too many people still trying to breathe air into that dead horse. He was talking about the, the first great awakening. In other words, he was saying, let's just move on with what God's doing now. Y'all good, aren't you? And the results will be this. It says she went and told the disciples. In other words, she was the, one of the first people that, that we know that communicated the good news of what God was doing in the earth. That was an honor, right? She got to be the first one. I've seen the Lord. Y'all haven't even seen him. Y'all are apostles and you haven't seen the Lord. I, I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have been her for a minute. I would have said, what is wrong with y'all? I thought y'all were the leaders. He came to me first. Don't you feel bad about that? You should be jealous. 
And I've got something to say to you high and mighty apostles. Y'all ain't nothing compared to who I am now. I found out who I am and y'all still want to go fishing and to forsake the Lord. You reckon they had them conversations on the side when she heard about people like, well, Lord, have mercy on them. They need something from the Lord. You know? Are you okay? Well, I believe the Lord's going to release messages through people who've had this fresh encounter with the Lord. I believe He's going to give them people who get this identity thing going in them, the new identity, the who you are today. I believe God's going to release that message in you. A unique message, a personal message. Anybody? Anybody want that? Oh, Lord, I'm looking for that, man. Yeah, amen. Marlon said he'll take it. You can have it, Marlon. Becky said she could. Let's just say, Lord, we take it. Lord, we don't want to be who we were. We want to be who we are. Lord, we don't want to be stuck in what God did. As wonderful as it was, Father, we're saying we want to be stuck in what you are doing right now. That's where we want to be. We want to be in the present with you. Yeah. You know, in the world, uh, business world, the corporate world, there's a lot of talk about being present. Anybody who reads stuff out there, Harvard Business, that's one of the big things. You need to be present in the moment. Well, that's a revelation from heaven. That's really God speaking. It's just the world's picked up on, on the voice of God. You need to be present with what God's doing right now. You know, you need to be present. Quit your crying over the past. Quit your mourning over what you lost because God's something for you now. God is the God of now. He's the God of now. He's the God of right now. And that's really one of the things that He wants to prepare and equip us with for what God will do in the future and how you will see the promises of God fulfilled in your life. Amen? All right, the second... uh, Group starts in verse 19. Uh, then, day, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? <laughs> they were glad. They were glad it was Jesus and not some kind of devil that walked in the room through the wall, right? <laughs> yeah, amen. You would be too. If somebody walked through that wall and you saw it, you'd be hoping it was a Lord or an angel from the Lord or something. You'd be really glad when you found out it was from heaven and not from hell. <laughs> you know? And I don't know about you. I don't really condone this. I mean, or I don't really encourage this. But if you've ever been in, if a demon ever manifests itself, I'm not talking about casting a demon out of a person. I'm talking about in your room you you talking about a different kind of fear. You're talking about a cold, dark fear that is nothing like you have ever felt in this life. I'm sure those guys have experienced that. I'll never forget the first time I experienced it. I was scared to death. I mean, I thought I was going to die. You know? Um, but you know what? There's power in the name of Jesus. All you got to do is tell it where it needs to be going. And, where it need, and when it needs to be going, like right away, and you need to just tell them that in the name of the Lord. And them demons, they don't really love that. You know? And then as, as it leaves, you can sort of badmouth it. You know, say ugly things to it. You know, tell them how big a chicken they are. And I'll, y'all, y'all, just a, y'all ain't nothing. You, know? you can do that in the Lord. 
In fact, that's part of the word rebuke is really it's a put down. It's not just I rebuke, it's a put down. Uh, if you really study that word, it's a put down. Jesus put demons down when they would manifest. Like, you're just, you stink, you're ugly, you, you know, you're rotten. I mean, I know y'all might not believe that, but it's really the truth. You've just read a word in the Bible and you don't really know what he said. You read a, a word that was translated from Greek and he didn't even say it in Greek. Anyways, Lord bless y'all. <laughs> it says, then the same day, well, okay, we were there. All right, Lord help me. I said I was going to be really focused and not you know, flop around here. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. Although they were glad, evidently they didn't really get that peace the first time he said to it. Now that should give you a certain level of comfort this morning. Sometimes God has to say something to you more than once for you to get it. It's not that there's not power when he first released the peace. There was a lack on their part. Probably the lack was they were so overcome by fear. And then when they were happy, their heart was in a place where they could receive. Sometimes people can't receive. Have you ever prayed for somebody? Come, hey, I need you to pray for me. I got this problem. They tell you what the problem. And you pray for them. And the second, the last word, A, and before you can say men, they're, tell, they're trying to explain away everything you just prayed. You ever heard that? Well, here's the problem. They're not in a place to receive at that moment. It's not that they're rejecting you. They're just, their heart's not able to receive from God. But God will get their heart in a place to receive. And I think this is what happened to them then. They just couldn't get the peace. Then they got glad, and then God was able to, to say peace again. And the peace of God found good ground at that moment. Amen. As the Father has sent me, I also send you, you scaredy cats. Right? And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. That's powerful. That's powerful, right? That's a very powerful, that's a lot of power to have in your hand. The power to forgive. We can forgive. And when we forgive, heaven forgives. So you need to forgive somebody this morning, and they'll be really forgiven. I believe this is what this says to me. These people got the wind knocked out of them because it says he breathed on them. Have you ever got the wind knocked out of you in the natural? I remember one time I was playing baseball, and we was at baseball practice. And they were practicing pop flies to us. Okay, the coach was hitting these really high balls. And we, all these boys were lined up out there catching them. You know, and he was just randomly hitting them to anybody. But we were having just a really jolly good time that day, talking to each other, laughing. And he hit one my way. And somebody said to me, I looked over at him and made a smart aleck comment. And looked back, I couldn't find the ball. And the next thing I know, this ball went straight down and hit me on my solar plexus. And it... I, I literally thought I was going to die at that moment. I mean, I, had no, I couldn't breathe. I fell to the ground. I, I don't know how long I was down there fighting to get my breath. I li- literally thought, I'm, I'm dying. I can't breathe. I'm going to die. And I, it was terrible. And I'll tell you another thing. It was humiliating. I was really embarrassed. Number one, I missed that fly ball. Number two, that I was on the ground in a fetal position trying to live. And all my friends were standing looking over me with this hard look on their face. You know? 
And I think that's what happens with a lot of Christians. It's like people who go on with the Lord. They experience the Lord. God does all these great things. They're, they're with all him, everything he's saying, everything he's doing. They're right on the edge with him. They're moving with God. God's moving there right in the middle of it. And then one day they get the wind knocked out of them. Does anybody, has anybody ever had that? And suddenly you're on the outside. You're on the ground writhing around, embarrassed and humiliated because you've lost the air of the Holy Spirit in you. Suddenly you have been brought down to earth and you ain't as what you thought you were. I don't know about y'all, but I've been there naturally and spiritually. But you know what? The Lord came to these people. And that's where fear comes in. Suddenly you begin to question everything about what's really going on. Was that really real? Was that really God? Was that just a pipe dream? Did God really speak to me? Did God really do that? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And you lose that. You lose that. And you, you question that. And your confidence gets rattled. And you begin to lose your confidence. And your faith starts draining out of you. That's what happened to these people. And then fear begins to really encapsulate your heart. And you become a fearful person. You become a very selective person. You're not willing to take risks no more. You're sort of sitting back. Wondering, is this really real? And I'm telling you. You got the wind knocked out of you. You got the wind knocked out of you. And there's a lot of people when God doesn't do it the way we think He's going to do it. It does it. The promises. What happened to the promise? Is, am I talking to anybody? You got the wind knocked out of you, and now you're all messed up on the ground, and your friends are looking at you. Some of them are kind of making fun of you, especially when you get up and you can breathe again. Like, what? Well, you missed that, and look what happened to you, and you ain't that good, and you know. That was, yeah, they were bad friends. (laughs) You know, but God wants to breathe in you again. There's people in this room, I'm telling you, God wants to breathe in you again. You've you've lost the wind in you. You've lost it. Some of you have lost it a long time ago. And you've been going through the motions of Christianity, which is a joke. That's a joke. And God wants to come to you and He wants to breathe in you again and He wants to release authority back into your life. Just like He released authority. As the Father sent me, I sent you. And God has never backed off on His sin. He's never backed off on His promises. And He really wants to bring you up and speak to you again and speak life. Jesus said this. He says, Man does not live by bread alone but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's the the breath of God that's coming on people. The Bible tells us in Genesis, when God created Genesis, I think it's Genesis 3 or something like that, when He created man, it says He breathed on him, and man became a, a living being. If God doesn't breathe on us, we're dead. And God wants to breathe on some of you, I think. Well, Lord, you can breathe on me. You know, when the Lord breathes on you, what they were singing this morning that fire down in your belly will start getting stirred up. It'll start burning. You're, you've blown on fires before, right? Something will start happening inside of you. Get this burning in you. How many would like to have that burning in them this morning? I mean, really, do you want to burn or you want to just be complacent? Raise your hand if you want to burn. Let me say, don't raise your Put your hands down. If you don't want to burn, raise your hand. I want to see the people who don't want to burn in this room. Okay, so I can go back and just slug you. Okay? And tell you, you're just living in an illusion. This is not Christianity. 
that you're living in. God wants you to burn. He wants to burn in you because God really is a burning fire. And the Holy Spirit in us is a burning fire. And He doesn't want some damp down Christianity. I didn't say a bad word. I said damped down. <laughs> okay. He wants you to open the dampers so there can be a flow in your life again. Every one of you. Amen. I believe the Lord's going to do that. And I believe He's going to give you some authority. I, and here's another thing. is dreams. God has put dreams in everybody in this room's heart. And I don't know if you remember back months ago, I got this word that God's going to raise up old, your old dreams, Byron, and give you new dreams. And I said, no, thank you, Lord. That's what I told him. I don't need them old dreams. They about kill me, Lord. I don't have no need for them. And I was listening to me talk, and I realized, Lord, I have fallen. That's the, that's the words of a fallen man. When God says, I want to breathe, I want to awaken the old dreams in you, and you're saying, nah, I'm good, Lord. You don't want to do that. That's, a, that's the words of a man that's not filled with the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes on you, dreams get activated in your life. And if you've lost your dreams, this morning God wants to blow and awaken dreams in you. If you never had dreams, now they may look different in this season. Well, they will, but that's okay. Let them look the way God wants them to look now. I believe there's people in this room that have amazing callings on their life. Amazing callings. And those callings are asleep now. They've gone dormant because there's not been any air blowing on them and God wants to blow blow on you and blow and, and those callings awake and man when your calling is alive when you feel your calling in you it's a powerful feeling you'll do whatever it takes to fulfill that calling that's why people do crazy stuff that have callings because it takes a powerful thing in them well I'm glad you're having a good time today <laughs> okay John 20, 24 is the third group Third type of people. This is the poor guy named Doubting Thomas. Don't you love Doubting Thomas? He has got to be the lowest son of a gun in the Bible almost. The only person that went lower than him was, was Judas. You know, I mean, he was right down there next to Judas almost, most people think. I have a disagreement with that. I think he's a high-level dude. I think what he did was pretty high-level here, really. I know that's not the, the normal, but it says, Now, Thomas called the twin... Hey, how would you like to be called the twin? If everybody goes, hey, twin, how you doing? Yeah. One of the twelve. It's pretty interesting that the Bible makes sure that it points out that this man was one of the twelve. One of the, one of the apostolic uh, foundations of the church was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, that's great, but that ain't helping me. Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hands into his size, I will not believe. I will not believe. And after eight days, poor guy had to wait eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. I think the Lord may have been waiting those eight days for Thomas to reconnect with all of them where they're all together, where the Lord could do what he was going to do in front of everybody. He didn't want to just do a private thing. He wanted to do something with his, with his friends to redeem Thomas and to break off this thing off in him. 
that sort of got going bad with the apostles and has continued to this day, but it didn't continue with Jesus. Don't you love how the Lord is? You get a bad rap on you with everybody, and the Lord doesn't have that feeling about you. He has a different feeling about you. He has a different perspective of you. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands, and reach your hand here and put it to my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. So I want to say this. Number one, I believe God has really called us to believe in testimonies. They gave him a testimony, but he couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't receive the testimony. Many times, God's gonna, that's what God's going to offer to us. He's going to offer a testimony to us. In other words, somebody else's experience with the Lord. Okay? And I believe uh, we should always respond to a testimony. When God touches somebody's life, I believe we need to respond in some way. Because I think we've talked about this in the past. A testimony is an invitation for the Lord to, to repeat it, right? To do the same thing again in your life. Okay? So that, I think that's really, really important. And sometimes we can have really amazing... I've had some pretty powerful encounters with the Lord through hearing testimonies. Okay? There's been times when I, didn't feel, I wasn't getting nothing... And the people around me were getting something. And I just sort of leaned into what they were getting. And next thing I know, I'm getting it. Okay? All right? So I believe that's really a foundational thing. But I also believe there's a time that comes in all of our lives when i got to, listen, Lord, I'm happy you're moving in Marlon's life. I love that you're moving. In fact, I'm not happy when you're not moving in his life. But there's, there's got to come a time when me and you have something, Lord. Because at the end of the day, I just can't live through somebody else's testimony. And, you know, at the end of the day, I can't live through somebody else's revelation or somebody else's teaching or somebody else's gifting. You know, at the end of the day, I've got to have something. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, I've got to have my own encounter with the Lord. You know, one of the problems of the church, a lot of church people, are just, they're just willing to hear somebody else's thing, you know, instead of really pulling on God for their own thing. You should let these things that God does in other people provoke you to a godly jealousy. When you hear about God visiting somebody or somebody having a vision or a revelation or God using somebody in a powerful way, you should pull on that for yourself. You should tell the Lord, listen, I'm happy you're doing that, Lord, but i got to have it. What about mine? Where's mine at, Lord? That's the kind of heart, God. Don't let religion tell you not to do that because that's a lie from hell. If God has something, we all can partake of it. It'll look different in your life. It'll be different in your life. But here's one of the things that I've noticed that I battle with. I battle with this, uh, it's like a balloon that's been blown up one too many times. You know what I'm talking about? You ever seen a balloon that's been blown up about 90 times? Suddenly that thing's starting to look a little flabby. In other words, all these expectations, all these, the next great thing. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. The next, have you heard enough of the next great thing? Yeah. And, and uh, I think in technology they call it the next shiny object. You know, the next iPhone, the next iPad, the next 
MacBook, and then all the other junk. <laughs> you know, you kind of get into this mode where you're always looking for the next best thing. You know what I'm saying? And what that does, because the next best thing may not show up. And I think with Thomas, he was saying, listen, I can't deal with this. I gotta, I've got to have something real. I can't, i got to have something real. I don't want to hear about some revival somewhere, and then you tune into it, or you go there, and it's like, if this is a revival, we've been having a revival for years. <laughs> I had a friend of mine who did that. He went to this revival, supposedly, in another state, spent a lot of money to go. I couldn't wait. Hey, how was the revival, man? He looked at me, Byron, if that's a revival, my church has been in revival for years. <laughs> and my church is not in revival. It was a waste of money and time. Because there's something being communicated that's not real. And what that does is that produces a little bit of cynicism in people. You know, it's like the sky's falling, the sky's falling. No, I'm forget, forget it. The sky ain't falling. And then one day it really does fall. But you're gotten, you've gotten cynical and sarcastic. Because you've heard, heard are y'all getting this? You've heard one too many times an evangelistic truth that you just don't want to hear anymore. Am I the only one that suffers with that? I mean, it's like, I don't want to hear that. I mean, I really don't. I want, to, I want the real thing. If God's moving, I want it, I'm not going for something that's not real. If y'all want real that, go have it. I'm not doing that. I'm going for the real. And that's really what Thomas was saying. Listen, guys, I really appreciate what you're saying. I love you. I believe in you. But I've got to have this encounter with the Lord my own self you know and I think that's really what God wants to put in us is that kind of heart it's where we don't just live off of something and just believe every wind that's blowing our way about something God's doing somewhere 90 miles or you know (laughs) wherever you know you got to spend thousands of dollars to get there and you find out God's not moving I had a friend of mine I used to read his tweets He's a pastor in another state. And I finally said, dude, stop. I'm sick of hearing how awesome, how life-changing, how magnificent your last church service was. And everybody else is. Because it really wasn't magnificent. It really wasn't life-changing. You know, if everything is awesome, nothing is awesome. That's what I told him. If every, every, every church service is awesome, there's no such thing as an awesome church service. Not at first. He actually was mad at me for a while. But I did notice he quit doing it after a while. I think other people spoke to him about it. He's a great guy. He just, you know, happy and, you know, kind of person. But one of the things that we had to be careful about um, is always trying to outdo something. You know, oh, here's the worst. I don't want to blame it on worship teams, I blame it on preachers. A preacher has a really awesome message. Well, the next Sunday, everybody, maybe nobody, but in his mind, he has this expectation. He's got to hit it out of the park again. You know, it's like a batter going up the bat. Every time you can't hit a grand slam home run every time. You know, and so you get into this mode. You know, you get into this bad mode, and you get outside the realm of what God's really doing. And so I really, really, that's really, Lord, we just want to, whatever you're doing, we're going with that. That's what we're doing, Lord. We're going with that. We want to get real. We want to be real, Lord. 
We want to have real encounters with you. you. We don't want no more hype. And these are the people where that, that are going to declare his lordship. You know, and there's going to be authority on what they say instead of it not being real. And when people have that, when they speak, when these people speak at a real experience with the Lord, out of real encounters with the Lord, when they speak, others will listen. They will have authority to be able to speak out what God's really doing. And people will listen. Are y'all getting this? And see, all right, so here's back to my main thing. I'm quitting. This is what God wants to do for people when they are in the process, when they're being made ready for, for what God really wants to do. This is just, and see, to me, the process is, is, is glorious. The process doesn't have to be this miserable thing that we've made it because God's not doing what we want Him to do, what He's promised us to do. Well, He's not doing it right now. And we stand up to God, we resist God, and God is saying, okay, okay. And we don't have these encounters with Him in it. We prolong the thing, and then when we finally get through it, we look back and we feel like idiots. Right? Anybody been there and done that? I'm just telling you out of experience. I know this. I've been there and done that. And like, oh, Lord, why didn't I do better? Why didn't I behave better? Why did I complain so much in the middle? And I missed these encounters. I missed things that you had for me, that you were preparing me for this day. And I missed them. I missed them. I missed them. God doesn't want us to miss a moment. A moment. Because God has something for everybody right this second. And you can have an encounter with the Lord. Your life can change if you are willing. It's like Becky said earlier. God is trying to give us a different perspective. I'll tell you one more thing. I'll just, I wasn't going to share this. This is quick. This is, not off, this is off subject. This is important though. Are y'all okay? It's seven minutes to twelve. So technically I got seven minutes. I was thinking about this because I'm trying to debate. Was this for me, Lord, or is this for everybody? Well, it may be for some people. So I had, these, I had this vision, visionary thing. The first thing is I heard a woman's voice say, No! Second thing, I saw a copperhead, a full-grown copperhead. The third thing, this is where it got really strange, I heard no more Terrier. Not no more terror. No more terrier. No more terrier. You know, terrier is a breed of dogs. No more terriers, Lord? Is that what you're telling me? We can't have any more Jack Russell terriers? I would. You don't have to say that to me, God. I've already decided that. No more of them dogs. Why didn't you say terror, Lord? You know, because copperheads are terrorists to me. So I thought, well, I wonder what terrier means. You know what it means? Of earth. Of earth because there were dogs that burr down in the ground and get moles and stuff in the ground. Of earth. No more of earth thing. You know, the serpent was cursed to eat dust. Was cursed. The Bible says this in James 3. The wisdom from below is... Earthly, sensual, demonic. And I felt like the Lord was saying, at least to me, no more. I want, I want to say this. Not all earthly wisdom is sensual. 
But all earthly wisdom has the potential to become sensual. All earthly wisdom has the potential to become demonic. The wisdom from above is pure, peaceful, gentle, easy, intrigued, full of good fruits. There's no potential for the devil to enter into that wisdom. And I feel like God, when Becky said that God was trying to give us a different perspective this morning, the perspective, he's saying no more, the perspective of the earth. And this is not just something on Sunday morning. This is something when you look at the news and see what's going on in our nation and the nations of the world. Is we need the perspective of heaven. Your children are going to need the perspective of heaven. Your grandchildren are going to need it. To be able to make wise decisions about their lives and about what they're going to be doing. You're going to need that heavenly wisdom to be released. Because that copperhead is not something you want to at your house. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm going to pray for you. All right, first of all, let's do this. Anybody in here feel like, feel like Mary Magdalene, that you feel like you've lost something spiritually with the Lord? Would you just stand up, if you will? You feel like you lost a spiritual connection with the Lord that you had in the past. Anybody like that, stand up. Don't be ashamed. Okay. We're going to pray for you. Now, anybody feel like those disciples that, you, that fear has gotten into you, and you feel like you got the wind knocked out of your sails. You feel like you've lost your breath. And you've lost something, and, you, and, and you're being motivated more by fear than by faith. Anybody, does anybody feel that stand up? You're being motivated more by fear than faith. It can be anything. You look at the news, you get afraid. You look at the economy, you get afraid. You look at your bank account. You look at anything, you get afraid. Just stand up. See, the Lord's going to... And then finally, you're, you've noticed that you've got this cynicism developing. You've, you've developed the language of sarcasm. That's the language of people who don't have hope. That's what I call sarcasm. When I hear a sarcastic person, say they've lost hope. They've lost hope because they're sarcastic about things. If, you're, if you feel like that's starting, you feel like sarcasm and cynicism starting to come off your lips, if that's you, please stand up. You're like Thomas. You, you've just had it. You're done. You've had it with the hype, but it's starting to go bad in you. It's starting to get sour in you. Why don't you stand up? Okay, everybody who's sitting down, thank you, Lord, for y'all sitting. Woo, yes. We're going to pray. I want you to reach around behind you or beside you. Lay your hands on these people. And we're going to release a blessing on them. We're going to release that blessing like the Lord released on Mary Magdalene, like he released on those scared disciples. We're going to release it like he did on old Thomas. You're going to touch the Lord. I'm telling you, when you touch the Lord, all cynicism will evaporate in your life. He's going to real. Make sure everybody, look around you, make sure nobody's standing up there that doesn't have somebody touching them. I really want to pray. Every person, I want every person, somebody to put their loving hands on them so they'll know that the Father loves them and the Father's going to visit. The Father's going to do this. This is what He does. You're in the process, but Jesus is in the process with you. God's with you. God is for you. God is not judging you. He's not asking you to get a, a case of the do-betters. He is asking you to just let Him visit you. Just agree with Him. Like, Lord, I need you to visit me. I need you to speak to me. I need you to help me reconnect with you. I need to stop clinging, Lord. I'm clinging to something that's gone. 
And I need to cling to you, not what you did. And I need to hear something fresh about today in my life, Lord. <laughs> Lord, we are just calling that out today in Jesus' name. We're speaking it over these beautiful people that you brought here this morning to hear your heart for them. Just release that now, Lord. Release heaven on them, Lord. Yeah, release heaven on them. And Lord, also for those, if you're one of those earth thinkers and you're still sitting, stand up. If you're, if you're thinking of the earth, if all your information is coming from the natural realm, God is saying, stand up. He wants to give you revelation. He wants to help you today. He wants to talk, talk to you about what's really going on. And you know, the Bible says the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. You'll crush that. You'll crush that copperhead. You'll crush that earthly thinking. Also, let's just take it another step. If you, <laughs> probably nobody will stand up for this, but if you have sensual thinking, if that's gotten into your mind, too much of that, that stuff, you can, you don't, you don't have to stand up, but you could. God will deliver you today a pornography, an addiction to erotic stuff, stuff that's just not really the Father's heart for you. He wants to set people free from that. You know, there's one thing I feel the Lord wants to do for people is every... All of many of us, maybe not all of us, have things in our life, and it may not necessarily be sin, but it's just things you just can't seem to overcome. You know, you know, maybe for years you've tried to overcome. For years you've tried to get free from this thing. Well, I want to declare this to you. This has happened. It's happened to me. One day I woke up and that thing was gone. I had victory. And I didn't even do anything. God in His mercy and God in His grace came and delivered me and set me free from something that plagued me for many years. If you're that person this morning, won't you just stand up or wave your hand? Because I, I just believe God's doing that kind of stuff right now. I believe He's setting captives free. And people who can't get free, who can't get out of jail, who can't overcome that thing, whether it be sin or thoughts or something physical or something spiritual even God is releasing a grace in the earth to set people free it really is to get out of jail free card he is offering today I want to free you I want to liberate you I want to set you free that's what anointing of the Lord does Lord we call for for that today that people this morning in this room would get free of things they can't get free of. They've repented of it. They've fasted. They've prayed. They've read a billion Bible verses. on. They've listened to stuff. But they couldn't get free, Lord. Some of it's hatred. Some of it's unforgiveness. Some of it's immorality. Some of it is bad habits. Bad thoughts. God is saying, I'm going to free you. I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to do it for you. You're going to wake up. And it's going to be gone. You're going to wake up and it's going to be gone. 
Let's just take another moment here and let the Lord work. One time, when I was a young believer, I had a very bad temptation to smoke marijuana. And I knew the Lord didn't want me to. And so I made a decision I wasn't going to do it. And I woke up the next morning regretting that decision because I flushed all my stuff away. (laughs) Two days later, I still regretted it. Three days later, four days later. One morning, I woke up and the desire was gone. I had no desire for it. And I've never desired it since. God set me free. God set me free. God wants to set people free of stuff like that. If you got something in your life that you want to be set free from, just give it to the Lord this morning. And the Lord will do what the Lord does. He will free you. He will give you grace to overcome temptation. Lord, we ask you to do that this morning. We thank you for it, Lord. Let's just take another minute or two and let the Holy Spirit touch people's lives. And I want to declare over you today visitations from the Lord. And I want to declare over you the ability to hear the voice of the Father. That your ears will be open now to hear God speak to you, speak your name to you, speak secrets to your heart. That no matter where you've been in the past, no matter what your yesterday was, God wants to give you a new beginning, a fresh start. And He is going to take personal responsibility for that fresh start. God wants to visit His people. He loves His people. Lord, we ask You to visit every person in this room. Every person, that they would have a personal visitation. Personal visitation. You'd come to them and meet them where they're at. Meet them on their grounds, Lord. Meet them in their homes, in their beds. Lord, in their secret place, Lord, at their job, in their cars. Lord, just come and do it, Lord. Lord, we're tired of being Christians that don't have visitation. We're tired of being Christians that don't have encounters with with the Holy One. Lord, if you would do it in the Old Testament, you'll do it now. If you would speak to Moses face to face, you'll speak to us. If you'll give Paul dreams and encounters, you'll give it to us. We call out today, Lord. That we would be people of encounter. People of the presence of God. And you would break hopelessness off in people. Give them new hope. The hope of heaven. Woo, thank you Lord. Just take another moment here. I know the children to come in. That's a good thing. Heaven is full of children. I got a few up there. Lord, we thank you so much for your presence. That might be over. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We just say let it continue to flow in this room in the hearts of your people. Lord, that there continue to be breakthrough in this room, Lord, in the hearts, the minds of your people, Lord. Lord, your sheep hear your voice. We release this morning, Lord, just a pouring out.
an anointing, Lord, of hearing your voice as we go out of here today, encounters with the living God. And we just thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We bless your people this morning, Lord. We just say a fresh baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost of breathing you in this morning, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. If we could call up the ministry team also. Mm. I felt like uh, in the prayer room this morning particularly that um, Brian Nunn had a word for the kingdom of peace to be present this morning for people who are just had anxiety and stress resting on them. I particularly feel like people need to get prayer for that this morning. I really witnessed to that for the Lord's kingdom of peace to be released upon us. So come on up and get prayer for anything you're feeling like you need breakthrough in this morning. Mm, Thank you, Lord. We just praise you, Lord. We thank you for your spirit visiting us this morning. Lord, we just say go out of us. Go out of here with your kingdom of peace upon us. Bless, we bless the people of God this morning. And we continue to say, checks in the mail. Lord, what you want to bring us, Lord. Finances, peace, joy. Lord, the breaking of anxiety off of us, Lord. Everything that's been held back that is ours. We're saying, Lord, we are takers. Checks in the mail for the people of God as they go out of here, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.